Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Sean Smith. Well, it's a new year. It's 2018. And we want to look a little bit into our crystal ball and see what's hot in terms of the CRTC review on broadcast, the review of Broadcast and uh, Telecommunications Act, net neutrality, copyright, and a whole lot more. Joining us is Professor Michael Geist. He's the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law, and he has cemented himself as one of the country's most uh, established authorities on broadcast and telecommunications. We're pleased to welcome him now to the podcast. Let's start with the net neutrality, because uh, obviously with the FCC decision in the United States, there's a lot of uh, concern in Canada about how this country can maintain its net neutrality protections. First, do you think that's a realistic thing? And, and do you see the issue? How do you see the issue unfolding over the next few months? Right. No, it's a great question. It's a good place to start because there's no question that neutrality has been, at least uh, towards the end of this year, the one of the dominant issues. And obviously the U.S. decision has attracted an enormous amount of attention. I think from a Canadian perspective, one of the really exciting aspects of it is that the Canadian government, officials starting from the Prime Minister on down, including Navdeep Baines and others, have been very clear about their very strong support for net neutrality. In fact, in some ways, what we've seen happen in the United States has effectively emboldened Canadian leaders to reassert their support for net neutrality. Uh, and it seems to me that from a Canadian perspective, despite the desire of some groups, in fact, we've seen some, some in the cultural community argue against net neutrality, uh, not all, but some, uh, the government is quite clearly on the camp of supporting net neutrality, as is the Minister of Canadian Heritage, Melanie Jolie. Do you think that uh, the position that the FCC has taken in the U.S. is is, is going to be a long-standing one, or do you think that uh, somehow, you know, I read a, a stat that 83% of the population um, was against that. Um, do you think, what do you think is going to happen there? Well, predicting the U.S political environment right now just uh, seems like a fool's errand, just given how unpredictable uh, U.S. President Trump is, and, and this seems to be a reflection of that. You're right. Uh, it, it, it's hard to, to really justify this decision, certainly based on, on popular opinion, and indeed even based on what we see from many, many of the innovators that are purported to be assisted by all of this, who have come out really strongly against it. And I don't know that we should expect to see a significant change in the short term in the United States, although it is notable that within hours of the decision, there were already lawsuits launched in the U.S. to try to to bring back the net neutrality rules. There are states that have indicated that they will bring forward net neutrality legislation despite efforts by the FCC to stop that from taking place. So it seems to me there's certainly efforts to try to rekindle it in the U.S. I wouldn't expect the FCC to reverse anytime soon. Um, and likewise in Canada, I don't see any I don't see any reason to believe that we're going to backtrack. Though, to the extent to which this begins to unfold and you get Canadian broadcasters who are affected, and in fact, 
think it's notable that one of the first Canadian companies to really speak out about the impact that the U.S. net neutrality rules could have on their business is OutTV, Canadian-based, with large numbers, large numbers of U.S.-based subscribers accessing content through streaming, and they've been quite public in saying they're concerned about what the loss of net neutrality might mean for their business model. Mm-hmm. Do you see a path where um, the corporate interests would come to bear and have some influence in Canada over this in another direction? Well, that's always the concern. I, I, I think the good news is we've already even seen some of the large Canadian players, such as Rogers, reaffirm their support for net neutrality. You know, I, they can read the political tea leaves, and there are any number of issues that will be hot-button issues for them. So to burn political capital fighting against net neutrality in, in, at a time when the government has been outspoken in support of it, and CRTC commissioners, successive CRTC commissioners, have also uh, upheld and indicated their support for net neutrality, would seem to be uh, an unlikely unlikely occurrence, if only from a strategic perspective, in, in recognizing that burning a lot of political capital on something that would be a, a significant long shot doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, I wonder if we could pivot to uh, the review of the Copyright Act that's coming. Uh, on the one side, we have Bell lobbying for website blocking to combat uh, piracy of copyrighted material uh, and another uh, bunch of other groups that are looking out for their own interests as well. Uh, do you have faith in this process as far as finding a balance? Um, uh, and can you put it sort of in layman's terms for us? Well, sure. It's, it's obviously early days. The, the copyright review is, is, I think, expected to take up much of 2018. And so I think everyone will get their opportunity. It's interesting, you know, Bell's, Bell's push for website blocking. They've actually indicated, at least in documents that, that have been leaked as we're talking, um, that you, they don't even need copyright reform in order to move forward with a website blocking scheme, that in fact the CRTC could establish that under the current set of rules. That said, there's no doubt they're going to push for for reforms, including site blocking, boosting up that kind of site blocking approach, I would think, as part of the copyright review. We'll get groups that will, of course, seek to roll back fair dealing. We'll get groups that will want term extension. And then on the other side, we'll get any number of groups on the innovative side that will argue we need further flexibility and extensions for things like artificial intelligence and need to scale back some of the restrictive approaches we've taken on digital locks. It's a tall order, without question, I think, for the committee, and they are going to hear from a lot of people and hear from a lot of different perspectives. Uh, at this stage, though, you know, based on what we've seen coming out of the government, I think there is a recognition at high levels within the government from the ministers that it is a complex issue, that there are many, many, many stakeholders and a lot of perspectives. And what they want from this review is, is to put the issues on the table to gain a better understanding of from the various views, what's working, what isn't, and to use that as fodder for potential future reforms. You know, I, given how how weighty this topic is, how how it will affect so many stakeholders, quite literally everybody in Canada is affected by copyright law in some shape or form. Um, I think the government's looking to get the study right and. You know, if we take a look at the political calendar, that may not mean that we get a comprehensive new law in the short term. Uh, it seems that uh, an election will intervene and there may be other priorities, at least in the short term. But longer term, the study is critically important to having the kind of foundation for good future reforms and likely moves us towards 
timelines that are closer to major reforms every 10 years or so, which is where Canada has been for the last few reforms. Um, and then we pick up the pieces on, on some isolated issues like copyright board or notice and notice or the different kinds of issues that, that might be siphoned off a little bit can be addressed more quickly and leave the bigger pieces for, um, you know, not to take place qu quickly every five years and every five years really reserve that primarily for uh, a stock taking exercise. Mm -hmm. Now we're, we're in pretty good shape though in Canada in terms of copyright compared to other places in the world. Um, do you have uh, continued faith that the, the government can stay up to date and, and be progressive in terms of everything that's developing digitally, uh, you know, on a month by month basis? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess I'd note two things there. First, I'd note that to me, one of the most important passages in the letter that the, the two ministers have written to the committee that will be studying this bill is that they note that at a time of disruption, uh, it may be the case that copyright law isn't the ideal tool to solve every issue. Indeed, some in some instances, there may not be an issue to solve. We may just need to allow the disruption to, to play itself out. But I think that recognition that trying to use copyright as the solution for for every issue, I think, is, is a mistake. I mean, copyright isn't well designed and isn't designed to, to deal with all the disruption that we sometimes see taking place in the, in the, tech, in the digital world. And so... You know, the starting point of saying, can copyright solve everything that's taking place in this digital world and can we keep up? I think part of the response is that copyright shouldn't be looked to to solve every issue. That, in fact, sometimes it isn't, these aren't copyright issues at all. That said, there's no question that copyright does play a role in the shift to digital and it has an impact. And I do think that as long as we adopt principle based approaches that reflect the, the, the broader kind of lessons that we've seen from the Supreme Court of Canada and others about the need for balance in copyright, about both ensuring support for creators and at the same time ensuring access, a robust public domain, um, that enough kind of flexibility to foster innovation in the interests of all, uh, I think we'll get there. You know, I think of some of the kinds of issues that, that, we, put, that we addressed back in 2012 that dealt with everything from remix and mashup to other internet-specific issues, and there was a real attempt to kind of look ahead, and, and some of those rules have tried to do that. And even on issues that have been with us for a long time, like fair dealing, you know, it's interesting to me that some of the most important cases we've seen come up in the last number of months in Canada have been creators asserting fair dealing rights. And so it's one of those issues that is sometimes seen as uh, as a as pitting creators versus users, and yet it's striking that we've had, including out of BC, a case involving the Vancouver Aquarium, where it was creators who were looking to ensure that their fair dealing rights could be exercised in order to ensure that their creativity could be could be developed and and then brought to the broader community. Now, 2018, there's another uh, big review coming mid year, and it's the Broadcast and Telecommunications Act review. Um, you know, it's expected that there'll be renewed demands for more regulation of internet-based services. What are you watching for leading up to that release? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one, in part because I don't think we know a lot really about that review. And I think that one, perhaps even more than the copyright review, is at a really early stage. So government has announced that it will review the legislation, but frankly, we don't really know more than that. There have been some, there's been some speculation of a 
expert group or other kinds of studies that will be conducted to, in, 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 kind of in the same sense, provide kind of baseline knowledge and comparative work to, so that Canada will have a sense of some of the options that are out there. So I do think, in that sense, it is very, very early days with respect to that legislative review. What we will see take place, in a sense, with a bit more urgency and immediacy is the CRTC's review of future broadcast models. And so that comes out of the last consultation that we just finished from the Heritage Minister, Melanie Jolie, um, in which she conducted the, the review of digital CanCon, Canadian content in a digital world, released that in February, uh, sorry, in September of 2017. Uh, and you know, I thought, you know, there's obviously been criticism, especially around the, the Netflix issue, but I thought that that process certainly did, did a reasonable job of giving everyone opportunity to speak out. And the minister, I thought, came up with a framework that tried to address a lot of the issues in a forward-looking way. One of the odd parts of it, though, was she, in a sense, came to a decision on a number of these issues and then reopened the door just a crack by sending the issue on to the CRTC for review. And that's certainly going to take up the first half of the year. They've already elicited the first group of responses. There'll be a second set of responses in January, and the final report is due by June of 2018. So it'll get a lot of attention. And you're right that Many of the same groups that were arguing for Netflix taxes or other sorts of mandated contributions through the, the last process in which the government decided against the Netflix tax are right back at it, now asking the CRTC to effectively uh, suggest the same thing. We really are living in the future that we sort of were seeing a decade ago. A lot of things are manifesting themselves and and the government really is, is attempting to, to catch up. Uh, if you could look into your ball, a crystal ball, that is, um, at the year ahead, is there any other developments that you see on the horizon that are really going to shape uh, broadcast and telecom? I think it, it rather than the law and policy, it's what we see taking place in the marketplace. And one of the things that we are likely to see are more streaming services entering entering into the marketplace. So we know CB, CBS from the U.S. is likely to stream direct, and we may see other services get an increasing foothold in Canada, Amazon services and perhaps some others. So the, the shift more and more towards the Internet, I think, will continue to accelerate. Uh, I also think as we start seeing more and more updated data in terms of where the financing is going for a lot of that content that's being created, we will see that the opportunities are there even more in Canada and that it is foreign players that are playing an increasingly important role in where that funding is, which will ultimately call into question the necessity that some argue is, is there for mandated contributions from over-the-top Internet-based players because some of those same players uh, may well be emerging. and Indeed, I'd argue they are emerging as some of the most important investors in Canadian creativity, and it, it points to, I think, the fact that um, there is a different model afoot that, in many ways, attracting dollars into the marketplace doesn't have to come from government or regulatory fiat. It comes from creating great stuff and being competitive, both with respect to kind of the tax frameworks you offer, the talent that you offer, and what the end product looks like and the kind of success that it achieves both nationally and on the global stage. Michael, I really appreciate you uh, having a look at the year ahead with us. And um, I want to wish you a happy new year and I appreciate your time today. Oh, thanks very much. Pleasure to be with you. 
Michael Geist is the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law and a professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Ottawa. We reached him in the nation's capital. Thanks for listening. This is Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Sean Smith. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.